Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. What's going on, everybody? It's Matt, aka the Lumberjack Landlord. Yes, you are still hearing the echo in my wonderful new studio because we still have not finished yet. It's been a week. I was supposed to close on three deals this week. Today, all of them are next week. So we got, ah. extensions, we got extensions on all of them, but they've been an adventure. It's been fun every night spending time doing extension notices and justification of why the extension and all that other fun stuff. But I digress. We have our good buddy, Mike Zuber from One Round at a Time here, and we're here to talk about the newest Ken McElroy video. Yeah, um, Ken, Ma you know, obviously you and I had, you know, run-ins with, with Ken when he was talking about the housing market. Thankfully, he's not done that. He stepped away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he put out a video today talking about investors going broke. Uh, you and I know who he was talking about. Again, multifamily syndicators, limited partners, GPs. It's going to be painful. Yep. Um, couple of things. One, I wish he was a little earlier because you and I have been talking about this for six or nine months that this pain was coming. Yep. Uh, but thankfully, he's talking about it now because sure. uh, his voice carries in that space much farther than yours or I. So shout out to him. Uh -huh. I do wish he was a little more clear on residential versus commercial, right? He kind of talked about it. He, he kind of touched it early in the video, right. but all of that investors going broke the whole clickbaity title is all about multifamily value add syndications, LPs not doing the homework and pain, pain, pain. But if you weren't paying attention, you might think it was residential. And as we'll discuss residential and commercial lending, uh, at least up until today, it's vastly different, right? There's, there's not a bunch of arms and other stuff going on. So again, shout out Ken for, cause you got to remember, right? Ken's a multifamily investor. This is kind of like tattletelling on your, brother and sister, right? He, exactly. I mean, if you really listen, it was like, Ooh, he's calling out some of his brothers and sisters. So I was like, kudos to him. Yeah. So I think that always that's a difficult position to do unless you're looking for clicks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that the real key with what he shared was the fact that, yeah, it's another clickbait title. But I think the thing that concerns me most is one question for you, Michael, do we do adjustable rate deals? No, not only, you know, 30 year fix all the time. Uh, again, we've been very clear nine months ago, you and I went through some painful refinancing for our portfolio, taking variable rate deck to fix paying more, but now we look like geniuses, even doing some cash outs at low, you know, higher rates, but to get yeah. cash, we have dry power. We've done all of these things, but again, let me say right here, right now, 30 year fixed rate debt residential. I'll even go to a non QM lender. I can get apartments, 30 year fixed rate debt. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting. I'm not getting these five ones, seven ones. And dude, Ken McElroy's talking about one year bridge debt. All oh, those people are smoked, done, <laughs> bye bye, blow up. Oh, I tell you. Well, the funny thing is, is so as you know, I have, and full disclosure, I have some adjustable rate debt. It is seven year debt. 
Um, and I also have a strategy though, that's paying those debts down faster than what it would normally be paying down because I locked in 75 to 80% of my portfolio. I locked in at 30 year fixed rate debt. So I have a piece that's variable, but it's also got a much more aggressive pay down plan. So I wouldn't say never, but I would say calculated and small percentage. That way it's very manageable. You're an elite investor. Agreed. You get a pass. Yep. Most of the folks listening to this, please run your numbers. Yes. With 30 year fixed rate debt. Yep. Uh, I, I, again, numbers don't lie. 2% of a, a mortgage origination at the end of 2021 was arms. And this is residential arms. Yep. Yep. Uh, now it's up to 15%. That to me is concerning. The only good news is, is the average term is seven years, not two years like before. Right. Right. Uh, but that doesn't make me happy. I, I believe there are investors today doing arms that are clearly betting on the Fed cutting some. And again, I would argue that's probably a safe bet, but that is still a bet I'm not making. I have lived through and had had to refi or restructure at the wrong time. I'm never doing that again. 30 year fixed rate debt, day one, no change. Where do you think that normalizes, right? Because I mean, you're on record as saying, you know, that, um, you know, basically we have our bet before 2025. I think that the market will correct, you know, 10% on median home. Rate. 2025, what, what, when did you get that extra year? But okay, 2024. No, before okay. 20, I said before 2025. Okay, that's not what yeah. I heard. I'm so what I heard you what I heard you do before. is move the date from twenty one no, 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 no. from January to December. Before. How you get an extra year? I, I am not. Let's put it this way: I better not need twenty twenty four. I better not need the back half of twenty twenty four to make my magic happen. That's all I'll say. I'm really truly banking on the fact that it gets worse faster, and it's more be right. acute, more acute in the first couple quarters of next year. And even maybe the third, and then I think maybe we bounce back up off of that. But where do you think? Because for me, I think what's really funny is the people that get out there and go, oh, no, nah, you know, it's, it's, you know, rates are going to come back down. Um, have you ever looked at the 70s or early 80s? Like Stanley, was it uh, Stanley Drunkenmiller, right? One of the world's most respected investors says the financial stock market, the financial markets, he thinks it's dead money for 10 years. I saw that. That's, I saw that. Mike, 10 years now, here's the thing. He was an investor in the 70s. He was. The concern is, is that this is what a lot of these, I don't say old timers, but a lot of these legacy guys are looking at. You, you just have to be old. If you, if, you were, if you had that job in the 70s, you are mathematically old. Yes, right? that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean you, you were in your 20s and the 70s. That means you're 70 something now. Yeah, you're, I mean, it's just math. I mean, again, we have to go back to these folks because otherwise you're like me and you who I'll say I'm old, but I'm not I'm 70s old. old. No. Right. I have to read it in a book also. But that's why I did the 52 year spreadsheet back to sure. the 70s because I wanted to get a flavor on the 70s. It's why I have a shirt that says I use inflation and get rich. Ask me how. It's why I've said repeatedly, the people that won the 70s were people that bought home in 1970. Sure. A la, I think the people that won the, ne the next eight years are people that bought homes in the 20s, right? 2020, 2021. Right. It's shaping up to be the exact same story. It really is. Uh, it really I don't is. know why people you know, don't like hearing that. And, and it's, just, it's just shaping up that way. So yeah. So where do I think rates go? Back to your point, I have no idea. 
right? I think it is a safe bet to say, hey, sometime in the next five years, the Fed's going to cut. I'm just not making that bet. I am. I admit I am no longer in growth phase. I am add one or two doors a year. Happy. If I was growing and I was, you know, 32 again and I was still growing my portfolio, I might consider arms. I might make that bet. But lastly, I only tell people what I'm doing. I'm not there. So I'm not doing that. But where do I think? I think 30-year mortgage owner AUK normalizes in the fives. I agree. Yeah, fives and sixes. Fives, low sixes. Yeah, fives for owner AUK, sixes for investors. I think in recessions, they go to the fours, right? Because again, the Fed will cut. But again, the the land of the 2%, I'll say it right here, right now. I hope we don't go back there. Do we really want to shut the economy down and go back there? I don't. I, I don't think that happens. I think they kept them too low for too long. And they broke the housing market, man. They Damn. did. And that's the thing, Mike. You like you look at it now and people trying to build out models, right? Like the famous Zillow algorithm or the off or the or the or the offer pad or the open, open door. door yeah. Oh my word. Like if you look at that stuff now, those algos were insanity. Like they're going to likely maybe not bankrupt those companies, but definitely I buyers are going to be, I hurting. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, I think, oh, yeah, God. it's not, it's just not good. So I think finish- the I buyers destroyed a couple of markets. Uh, there was a Twitter post, I think from uh, Lance Lambert, fortune uh, editor, who's been on my channel asking about, Hey, what do you call Boise? What do you call Phoenix? What do you call Austin? So I replied with, Boise pandemic uh, boom or bubble. Yep. Phoenix, I buyer stupidity. Yep. Austin, higher wages, uh, tech, you know, Silicon Valley 2.0, you know, increase in wages, something like that. I said, because I think each town is, is bubblicious and hot, but for very, very different reasons. I think I buyers destroyed Phoenix, destroyed it. I agree. I think Phoenix and Vegas, I think they, yeah. I think both those markets, I think they got them pretty, I think they got those markets pretty good. Uh, I think the other thing too, is if you look at the map of the um, chip factories that are going to be built, a lot of those are in Texas. And that means think- a lot of high paying jobs. I think that they might get a dip, but I think that they have the long-term sustainability plan in place with expensive jobs. No, there's no question. That's why, and that's why I called it out. I'm not saying they won't decline. That wasn't a question. The, the, yeah. the, the decline was, is, is I think, I think, uh, again, I'm all about payments and affordability. I think Austin over the next four to five years, you know, it wouldn't shock me if their median income or family of four income jumps 10 or 15 grand. And that is above normal. Yeah. That's just because right. all the tech jobs come in and, you know, it's Silicon Valley 2.0. And on the flip side, where I live, it's going to be, it could be very painful, right? You start, we're, we're missing a generation. We might miss two generations of college graduates because they're just going somewhere else. It, it could be, you know, the dominoes are not falling in a positive direction for the Silicon Valley. Yeah, I think Gary, one of the things I saw with Gary V that I think he calls that I really love is, you know, he's talking to a lot of his other business owners and saying, forget about people doing the side hustle. Now imagine that they never even apply to get that entry-level job. Exactly. Because he's like, it's so easy to monetize. It's so easy to monetize with, with gifts, talents, and abilities, like what we've been talking about for nine months. It's so easy to monetize that. And now, do you really need to, if you get something going when you're in college, 
do you need to graduate and then get that W two job? I mean, no. I mean, just think about it. You know, I've I've asked high school graduates repeatedly, right? You know, could you live on five grand a month? And they all say yes. They have no idea what costs are. But just think about it. If you spend three or four years in college building a side hustle on something that then produces four or five grand, you just live within your means. You have the next 50 years to grow that. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I agree with you and, and Gary Vee. They, they're not going to show up. They're just going to do yeah. something else. It's crazy. Yeah. And the cool thing is, is what, the, what does that spurn? It spurns innovation, right? And it spurns people doing like, I don't then have to be the best at everything I do. I don't have to be, you know, all over the place. It's like, I can outsource this, that, or the other to somebody that has great skill. I was actually talking to somebody about that on a project that I'm working on. And I just said, you know, I can spend 30 hours and figure that out. It is not worth that amount of time to me. I need need to outsource that to somebody else that is a ninja at that, that frankly makes less money per time, but also it saves me 30 real hours. Like really it does make, it does make time almost a cash equivalent. Yeah, no. Yeah. For me, that's, that's pretty much all I think about now is, uh, and also I think about what I really love. I'm going to do the stuff I'm good at and let everybody else do everything else. So that's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm with you. Mike, tell everybody where they can find you, my friend. One rental at a time. And I do a live stream Saturday at 8 a.m. Live streams a good time. Don't miss it. And then if you're one of the students, he does a live stream for everybody else thereafter on Facebook, which is awesome. And the only way to get in the group is to be in the course. And I think that's a great idea too, by the way, because we know like, honestly, that place is a lot of fun. It is how to get started one rental at a time. The private Facebook group is where you go, where I go to smile because people are doing the work, asking real questions, networking, not complaining. There is so much complaining going on today. None of that in the group. It's pretty awesome. It's a 2000 person think tank. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. Like the thing. And my, and my experts respond. It's awesome. I tag you and you respond. We respond all the time. I probably respond to 50 to a hundred questions a week in that. Yeah. 52 a week. No, my pleasure. And I would consider myself elite in some areas of investing. And more importantly is it's also made me better. It's made me better. I mean, because there's always something there to learn, even from a newbie. Oh, you know what? I never considered that. Then you go back and you're like, hey, I want to answer the question. So I think it's awesome. So as I always say, we create great content for you. Please make sure that you tickle that like button. Also subscribe and we'll see you in segment number two. Thanks, Mike.